Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This evening we're going to be in 2 Kings 14. And the last time we looked at the actions of the kings of Israel, Jehoahaz and Joash, and today we're going to look at the actions of Amaziah in the southern kingdom of Judah, who had a failed war against Israel, which was alluded to in the previous chapter. And sadly, I mean, some of you might be into the wars and the histories and the tribes and all that, but I think the most important thing to learn here is really this was a believer who really had a lot of pride and he made hasty decisions, he didn't pray them through, uh, and he just was an unstable example of a, of a believer. But pride was the main issue that was the disease here. By the end of the chapter, what's really neat is, you know, I thought this was really cool, and then I found myself getting confused. <laughs> so at the end of this chapter, we're going to be right where we are in Isaiah study on Sunday, and I didn't plan it like that. At the end of this chapter, we see Uzziah, and we just covered Uzziah in chapter 6. So we're going to start having a parallel between 2 Kings and Sunday morning in Isaiah. Um, and it's funny because Amaziah, I'm doing two messages at once. I'm doing my Wednesday with Amaziah, and then I'm doing my Sunday with Ahaz. And I'm like, then we're going to the Syrians and the Assyrians. So pray for me that I can parse all this and <laughs> make it make sense and not overlap. So verse 1, it says, In the second year of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, became king. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Johadan of Jerusalem. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, yet not like his father David. He did everything as his father Joash had done. So Amaziah was considered a good king, but he was, he was really walking the line, and we'll cover that. However, the high places were not taken away, and the people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Now it happened as soon as the kingdom was established in his hand that he executed his servants who had murdered his father the king, but the children of the murderers he did not execute according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, in which the Lord commanded, saying, The father shall not be put to death for the children, nor shall the children be put to death for the fathers, but a person shall be put to death for his own sin. And this is where we get capital punishment from in Western society. It actually started all the way back then. Uh, there has to be checks and balances. You can't just allow people to go into society and do really awful things and not deal with it. So we have these laws. They're challenged. We, we lost capital punishment at some point. Then it came back, and some states have outlawed it. So, uh, But listen, this is, this is because of sin. Sin brings death, okay? And society needs to be protected. So we're going to check this out, the spiritual evaluation of Amaziah. If we could put up the chart of the kings again. The chart of the kings, right? Kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, um, the ten tribes, and then the kings of Judah, the two tribes in the south. So even though they're all the children of Israel, when you read the Bible, Judah is understood as the two southern tribes and the kings of Israel as the ten northern tribes. 
So you have these different, you know, Jehoash and Jeroboam. And then over here, you have Joash, which is really Jehoash. But when you look at the Hebrew, <laughs> it's bad enough there's a lot of J's. And actually, there is no J in Hebrew. It's called Yah. There, there is no J sound in Hebrew or Greek. Um, I'm not going to go into a whole dissertation on that, but a lot of these names are sim- uh, similar. Usually, Yah or God is somewhat in the name. God has helped me. God has strengthened me, and so on and so forth. But it gets a little confusing because here we're talking about Amaziah, who's the son of Joash, and Jehoash is also Joash, and his son was Jeroboam. Um, again, so you have Joash, Amaziah, who we're going to focus on, Azariah, who's also Uzziah. <laughs> There's going to be a quiz on this at the end. I hope you're paying attention. I, you know, I'm pretty good with it, but sometimes I still got to, wait a minute, who's that guy? You know, so, um, but anyway, Uzziah and Azariah was same person. He was in Isaiah 6, which we just covered on Sunday. Okay. So Amaziah was understood as a good king, but he didn't go all the way. You know, he didn't root out the idols in his life. He didn't, you know, it's funny as Christians too, we can be, you know, don't kill. Oh, I got that one. Don't steal. Oh, I'm good with that one. You know, we're good at the ones don't do. But sometimes we forget the do's. You know, there's the sins of commission. Don't do a bad act. But then there's the sins of omission, you know, to follow the Lord, to pray, to seek him. You know, so, and that's why we need Jesus, because pretty much everything that we do as sinful creatures is sinful. <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, so you have some of these kings like, like Amaziah who maybe didn't do some of the more awful things that some of them did, but his, he didn't do things that he should have done, and he didn't root out the high places. Okay, And a lot of the kings overlooked that. So verse 3, unfortunately, it says that he didn't follow in the footsteps of David, who really loved the Lord, who really had a heart for the Lord, but Amaziah followed in the footsteps of his father Joash. Okay? Um, you know, Joash was the same way. You know, he, he did some good things, and then he went wrong at the end, and you, know, you see uh, Amaziah following in his footsteps. Uh, Amaziah, again, according to the law, uh, the Jewish law, had the right to execute the conspirators that killed his father, the king, bring him to justice. But the good thing was he wasn't vengeful. Deuteronomy 24.16 says, listen, if parents do something wrong, you can't hold the kids responsible for that. So he honored that, which was good. He left the kids alone. Um, Continuing on, verse 7, it says, so Amaziah says, he killed 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt and took Selah, or Petra, by war, and called its name Jokthiel to this day. Then Amaziah sent messengers to Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us face one another in battle. And Jehoash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son his wife. And a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled on the thistle. You have indeed defeated Edom, and your heart was lifted up, lifted you up, prideful. Uh, Glory in your success and stay at home, for why should you meddle with trouble so that you fall, you and Judah with you? But Amaziah would not heed, therefore Jehoash, king of Israel, went out, so he and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. 
Then Jehoash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Jehoash, the son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh, and he went to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. And he took all the gold and silver, all the articles that were found in the house of the Lord, and in the treasuries of the king's house and hostages, and returned to Samaria, which was the capital of the northern kingdom. So this is what's going on. Um, if you read it quickly, you, well, what, why is he picking a fight with the guy in the north? They're brothers, what's going on? Um, I'm going to take you to Second Chronicles, which gives a little bit more fill-in. Chronicles is more the spiritual situation, and Chronicles tells us the spiritual problem with Amaziah and why he ends up losing this war. But uh, So this is what happens if you cross-reference Second Chronicles 25, which we'll co- cover some of. Amaziah, king of Judah, takes a census, and he finds he has 300,000 soldiers. He feels it's a little on the short side, so what he does is he, before this big battle with the north, he sends to the north and he gets 100,000 mercenaries, which actually is 25% of his forces now, which is a lot. Um, He doesn't pray about it. He doesn't think about it. Israel's very ungodly in the north by this point. And what happens is a man of God comes to him, this unnamed prophet, and says, God forbids you to take those mercenaries. So then there's this dialogue, and Amaziah's like, well, I already paid them. And he's like, listen, I'm paraphrasing. Probably you should have prayed about it first. It was a, a really bad decision. And in addition to that, don't worry about the money. God can, you know, God can do anything with money. You know, it's, it's not a big deal. So uh, Am- Amaziah sends the 100,000 back to Israel. They're ticked off. They wanted a fight. And they're mercenaries. So what they do is they start looting some of the king Amaziah's own territory, who's the one who conscripted them, but sent them home. And it's not, a, it's not a good scene. It was a bad decision that Amaziah makes. The mercenaries now are looting villages on the way back to Israel um, or back and forth. And uh, Amaziah is ticked off. And now he wants a fight with the northern kingdom. If we could put up the map just to show you what's going on here. I love the maps. <laughs> I'm, I'm a geography type of person here. But if you look at the different, uh, you know, and it's really cool because this map is color-coded. So this is Judah. It's just a small portion with two tribes. The kingdom of Israel is a lot lar- larger. There's ten tribes in the north. Philistines are over here. Edomites is the ones he just battled with. Moab is over here. Um, this is the Dead Sea. And then you have Syria up here and the Assyrian Empire, which we're going to get to on Sunday. I don't want to confuse that. But Edom is, is uh, Amaziah's doing battle with Edom and he ends up winning. Ephraim, when the Bible speaks of Ephraim, sometimes interchangeably with Israel. Ephraim was a very dominant tribe that was above Benjamin right around here before Manasseh. Okay, so Ephraim isn't used interchangeable with the northern kingdom. The Valley of Salt was down here, which is the south side of the Dead Sea. When it uses all these terms, we, at least we know what we're talking about. And Petra is in Edom, and Petra is a rock city which actually um, fits into end times prophecy too. It's really neat about history is stuff repeats itself, and it's going to in our future. Um, Edom today has been engulfed by, now if you look at Israel on a modern map, it kind of comes down into a V. So Edom has been eclipsed by Egypt to the left, or to the west, 
part of uh, Israel, and um, Jordan, what we know as modern-day Jordan. Interesting. We can leave that map up because I might refer to it again. So bad decision by Amaziah with the mercenaries. Um, another awful decision we find in Second Chronicles 25, which I'm going to cover. I'm going to read to you. Second Chronicles 25. So Amaziah, God gives him the victory, and what does Amaziah do? Nothing very smart. So Second Chronicles 25.14, Now it was so, after Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods, or the little fake idols, the little demonic you know, deities that people would worship, of the people of Seir, set them up to be his gods, and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. Therefore, as you could imagine, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah, and he sent him a prophet. You know, it was very merciful of God to keep sending these prophets. Hey, you really shouldn't do this. Hey, this is a really bad mistake. You know, it'd be cool if we had like a personal prophet, you know what I'm saying? But now we have the Holy Spirit who tells us, don't do that. It's going to be really bad for you. But they, he would send these prophets, and it really was his mercy. He sent them a prophet who said to him, why have you sought the gods of the people? which could not rescue their own people from your hand. So it was as they talked with him that the king said, now check it out, king's talking to the prophet, I think he'd have a little reverence. He goes, have we made you the king's counsel? Cease. Why should you be killed? Then the prophet ceased and said, and he spoke again, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and you have not heeded my counsel, which came from God. So the second awful decision is, Knucklehead here, the king, gets the victory in Edom, and what does he do? He, he, he loots the place, steals their little deities, takes them home, and hedges his bets. Well, he's got God, but now he's got these little deities he can worship too. Which is very weird because, because you just got victory over those deities of the local people, and now you're bringing them home to Adam. You know, God's really not going to be happy with that. But you know, people today, you know, we laugh because we look at, oh, and people do that. They go, oh, these ancient people, they bow down to like these little images. You know, in our culture, it's done too. It's just different images. Instead of little, you know, bowels or little, you know, fish gods or whatever, it's money, it's, you know, bigger and better, it's, you know, more homes, more cars, more, um, you know, even our kids sometimes. Our kids are awesome, but if you put anything to the point where it's above God, it can, be, it can become idolatry. So I just always want to keep that in perspective. Um, people today, and even some in the church, they worship things, and God's really not a priority, and that's really kind of sad. So before we start criticizing Amaziah, um, we see it today. The third awful decision, this guy's full of bad decisions. <laughs> so this will be the last one we cover is he doesn't rep repent for his blunder with worshiping the idols, and then he goes and picks a fight with Israel. Now, these are his brethren, right? Um, he's mad at what the mercenaries did in Judah, but I'm not so sure, and this is just me, I could be wrong, I'm not so sure he cared about the people that the mercenaries looted as much as his pride was hurt. Now, you see a lot of pride issues here. And in verse 9 and 10, this is a, an interesting little riddle or an allegory uh, that Joash of Israel, when, when as Amaziah says, I want to fight, and the other king goes, come on. And he kind of gives this little riddle and this little allegory, he tries to talk sense into him. Um, and Joash is not even a godly guy, but he does have worldly wisdom. And he doesn't want to fight with 
the southern kingdom. He doesn't want there to be carnage, um, and the guy in the south doesn't listen. So here's the allegory. The thistle, you know, vegetation. I should have asked my wife, is it a plant? Is it a bush? See, I'm, I'm not, I, sometimes I make mistakes here, you know. But the thistle is not very strong, okay? Um, it's a vegetation, and it's personified, maybe an anthropomorphism. And the thistle says to the cedar tree, you know, let's, let's get our kids to, to you know, have a, a, you know, your daughter, my son, etc., and have a marriage arrangement, which was very presumptuous because the cedar is very mitre, mighty and this, and this thistle's like, you know, look at me. So what happens is a wild beast comes by, right? We just read this, and tramples the thistle. He's just, you know, wild beast is... This is just the way they did things back then. They used these riddles, okay? Um, we have figures of speech, but we don't go into such elaborateness of this. So the, the wild beast is, is, you know, running by through the forest, crushes the thistle, uh, and, you know, probably bounces off the cedar tree, and the thistle's dead. <laughs> so Joash is saying, uh, you're the thistle. You know, Judah, you're the thistle. You, you can't come up against us. You just, you're going to lose. Don't pick a fight. You know, enjoy your victory. You know, why should you cause your people pain? And what he was saying was very wise. Um, and what happens is Amaziah doesn't listen, and Judah loses pretty bad. And he should have known better, you know. And I got to tell you, uh, I think as believers, sometimes we can go through periods where we're making impulsive decisions. We're not praying things through. Well, we're not. I don't know anybody as a king here, but, you know, and then we we suffer the consequences. And, And then I've heard some try to complain about God. And it's like, wait a minute. You don't seek God. You're not doing things according to his word. And then when things go wrong, you want to blame him. That makes no sense at all. But when we're in sin, we don't, we don't think straight. And Amaziah was in sin and he wasn't thinking straight. So Judah, or Judah is defeated by Israel and Joash um, raids the place and goes, breaks down part of the wall of the temple. And it's, it's really bad. I mean, no war is good. And just for a, a prideful thing to just cause so much suffering on your own people... I mean, this has been playing out for thousands of years in different countries, right? And everyone suffers because of his bad decision. You know, when I was a police officer, um, when I was a Christian, I was a police officer, didn't know the Lord, became a Christian, I started praying about my decisions. You know, I would, I would go to hot calls. This one's got a gun. This one's got a knife. You hear it on the radio and the sirens are going and your adrenaline's pumping and I'm just, I'm in the car just praying. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to run into. I ran into some strange stuff. But just give me wisdom, you know. And I, always, I would pray, don't let me pick the wrong person, you know. If, if they're guilty, they're guilty. I'll go full boat. But if they're not, I don't want to get the wrong guy, you know. So I just would always pray through that. Even as a pastor, you know, I never want my decisions to hurt anyone. And the closer we are to the Lord, we want to do right by others. And Amaziah just gave... Just because of his pride, he took his believers or his, his nation from the frying pan into the fire. And it's sad. Now, I've come to the conclusion in my life that you know, when the Bible says somebody was a good king, there's got to be more to the story. He didn't seem like a good king. But just like Jesus says, we can't judge, I can't judge any of you in church, you can't judge me. 
I can't judge the folks in the Bible, their salvation. I can't determine if the Bible says good or not good, that's what i got to go by. Um, could it be that Amaziah, at the end of his life, really repented? Sure. Hey, how do you finish? You know, a lot of people, they, oh, they want to seek the Lord, and it's almost like a fad. And then a few months down the road, they're just back in their old life. They really don't want to seek the Lord. But Amaziah, maybe at the end, really heartfully repented. Um, he's taken prisoner. He's executed. Really sad way to go for, uh, for um, royalty. Um, and he, I, I'm gonna, I have to say in my heart that he, he definitely probably, you know, when they were chasing him to, to when he was running southwest, you know, trying to get away from his assassins, and we'll read that, um, you know, he might have been asking God for forgiveness. I don't know. Verse 15, we continue. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoahash, guy in the north, which he did, his might, and how he fought with Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So I'm not going to read all of Chronicles. I just picked out certain parts for you to put the puzzle pieces together. So Jehoash rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Then Jeroboam, his son, reigned in his place. Um, the death of Joash. Now, did you ever wonder, because when I read this at first, I was like, Lord, why did... <laughs> It's not fair. Why did Joash win? He was really evil. He was worse than Amaziah. And then you pray and you're like, no, you know, God knows a lot more than I do. Again, stuff in there that he knows that he fills in the blanks. Um, a few things I can look at this, give some reasoning. We live in an evil world that mankind through sin has literally forfeited to Satan and his demons. There's a lot of people who have power and wealth and win, uh, and they're not godly people. But that's going to change. This world is not going to continue on its course forever. Hopefully it's soon. Hopefully the Lord comes back soon. Another thing is that believers are held to a higher standard. And Amaziah should, was held to that standard. You know, he, he gets these little gods and starts worshiping, and God's like, what are you doing? You know, I just gave you victory. What are you doing? Um, and God expects... Uh, heathens, those that don't know him, to do weird things and to act wickedly, but he expects more from his believers. These are just a few things I'm kind of throwing out here. Um, again, some believers never gain victory because they're constantly in a pattern of not being in their word, not praying, and just having bad behavior as a result of it. And it's sad. I don't, listen, I'm not up here to criticize anybody because I went through periods in my life as a Christian that I wasn't doing the right thing. And you know what? Things didn't go great for me. <laughs> so I'm not going to blame God. It was my fault. Another reason is that, that God has a way of righting all wrongs. Okay? Why would Israel win over the southern kingdom, which in many ways was more godly? Well, if you look at history, it wasn't long after this that Israel was dominated by the Assyrians. And Israel ceased to exist. That whole blue area was Assyrian. They just came in, they, you'd say, kidnapped oh, thousands of people, took them to Assyria, put their people in Israel to dilute the population so that they could never rise again. Um, and Judah lasted another 150 years longer than Israel did because Judah had some good kings that had some good reforms. So, you know, you can see the balancing act that God is doing to try to make everything right. Um, Joash was a very, very wicked king. Yes, he got a victory here, but he was evil. Where's he been for the last 2,700 years, 2,800 years? Not in a good place. So I hope he enjoyed it. I hope it was worth it. 
I hope all his godlessness was worth it because in the end, he's judged. And that's it. So Joash dies in the northern kingdom. His son Jeroboam too reigns. Horrible name to name your kid. It's almost like naming your kid Stalin or Hitler because Jeroboam I was an evil man that got the whole northern kingdom to stop following God and, and start into the ways of wickedness. So he names his kid. He's not a good man. Not a good man. We continue on in 17. Listen, the Bible's not politically correct. It just states facts. It says that you know everyone has the same chance at salvation. Everyone has the same chance to repent and change their ways. Everyone on the planet. And if we don't, we do it to our own peril. Verse 17, we continue. 14, 17. Okay, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of Amaziah, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And they made a conspiracy against him. Remember, this is the guy who lost a battle, put his people through horrible war. So the leaders come together, or a bunch of people come together, they make a conspiracy against the king in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lashish. But they sent after him to Lashish and killed him there. Then they brought him on horses, and he was buried at Jerusalem with his fathers in the city of David. And all the people of Judah took Azariah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king, after the king rested with his fathers. So the death of Amaziah. Again, Amaziah, and this is, you, Chronicles kind of fills in the blank. So Amaziah is captured by the northern kingdom. He's in prison. After a certain amount of time, they let him out. He goes back thinking he's going to be received. I don't know. He's going to be the king again. And the people were still remembering the suffering that he caused them. So a conspiracy is made, and they chase him all the way down southwest to Lashish, and they assassinate him. And it's very odd because his father was assassinated too. So he followed in the ways of his father even to his death. A little irony there. Uh, was it really worth following in dad's footsteps? You know, And we can all, listen, we, some of us can have family loyalty, but when our family is doing things that are just ungodly, we can't follow in their footsteps. We have to make our own path in life. You know? And here's another ironic thing, is that he was safer in, in an enemy prison right, than he was in his own, his own country. The people didn't forget. A lot of ironies in the Bible. So guess who takes his place, right? Who takes his place? Azariah. Who is who? Uzziah. Isaiah 6. <laughs> Are you getting all these names? Azariah, Uzziah, Isaiah. Okay. Um, if you didn't get Sunday's message, get it. It'll clear a lot of things up if you're confused right now. Uh, but there's a lot of really neat parallels. Now, in verse 22, Uzziah, awesome king. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Everyone's mourning the death, the death of this popular, prosperous king who we're just running into now. And Isaiah sees the real king, the eternal king, the Lord. But what happens is, if you look at the map, is that Uzziah annexes Elath to Judah, which is really impressive. 
actually my map doesn't go down far enough. <laughs> but at the southern end of Edom is Elath. Okay? So Uzziah actually, this is uh, Judah's land. They actually get uh, dominance of this area down here. And if we were to bring it further down, it would be, it would be the, the Sea of Abna, which when it goes further down, it's in a Y. And the Y, the second part up to it here, is the Red Sea. So it was very brilliant, if you understand nations and nation building and, and wars, what he was able to do was get a southern port for Judah. And you could be very prosperous like that. He had a, a western port, uh, and he had a southern port. So again, people who don't know the Bible that well, they look at it and they go, well, what does this mean? It means nothing to me. But what we know, it just helps to bolster our understanding of the Scripture being not only true and accurate, but it tells us things that we might not know today until we actually study it and realize, wow, that made perfect sense back then. You see what I'm saying? All right. So I, I like the little details in there. Last few verses for the evening. Verse 23, it says, In the fifteenth year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned forty-one years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Not surprising. And he did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. He restored the territory of Israel. See, again, you, sometimes we, if you look at some of those TV preachers, you get the impression that um, you know, believers are always going to be prosperous, and, you know, and then it's the other way with people who are unbelievers. The Bible says that the rain falls on the good and the evil. You know, otherwise, God would be manipulating us into following him. It's amazing when somebody who has nothing in poverty turns to the Lord. Now they have eternal life. They may still live in that condition, but they have all of eternity. You see what I'm saying? So God doesn't do things to manipulate us to believe. He sets us all with free will, and then we make those choices. So what happens is um, he restored, this wicked king, he restores land to Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he had spoken through his servant Jonah, Jonah, Pastor Vinny, a few uh, Sundays ago, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, and whether bond or free, there was no helper for Israel. And the Lord did not say that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did, his might, how he made war and how he recaptured for Israel from Damascus and Hamath, Damascus is the capital of Syria, what had belonged to Judah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jeroboam rested with his fathers, the, king of, the kings of Israel. Then Zechariah, his son, reigned in his place. A few things before we close. Uh, for clarity's sake, Israel suffered under Syria. Right? We talked about Damascus, which is the capital of Syria. Israel suffered. So if we look at the map, Okay, here's Damascus, here's Syria. And as you can see here, the Assyrian Empire was coming hot on their heels. So when the Assyrian Empire started gaining in strength, they weakened Syria first before they went after Israel. So in this interim, 
Israel got some breathing room, was able to annex land back. This is all, I went home after Sunday service and I just did more research in the encyclopedia and I'm like, boy, the Bible history is so spot on. So what happens is, um, Israel gets a little bit of a break, they get, more, they get some prosperity again, and then Israel ends up making a deal with Syria, believe it or not, they stop fighting because now they want to fight us, Syria, and uh, that doesn't go well. And then Assyria takes over both kingdoms. And then 722, really 724 to 721 BC, that's it. Samaria is besieged. Uh, they get into the city, and you know the Assyrian occupation happens in, in Israel. Okay. But what did God do in his mercy? Sometimes he allowed them to go through hard times. And you know what? I, I don't know about you, but when I go through a really hard time, I sometimes go, Lord... Am I doing something wrong? You know, it's a natural reaction. Not always, but sometimes. Sometimes he's like, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and then God would move to, you know, these were hard-hearted people. So he would use the carrot and the stick, sometimes the stick, to say, you guys aren't doing the right thing. Some would repent, a lot wouldn't. Then he would go to the carrot, and he would enlarge their borders, he would bless them, they would have prosperity, and you would think that they would say, oh, thank you, Lord, and some of them were still hard-hearted. Then... He went into the prophets and said the prophets sent the prophets there to preach them and say, listen, you guys are doing the wrong things. God's really upset. You know, you got you to change your ways. Repent. And who did he give? He gave Jonah, right? Amos and Hosea to warn and talk sense into, into Israel. Unfortunately, it didn't do a whole lot. Now, here's an interesting fact as I'm going through this. Do you remember Jonah, the book of Jonah, and he doesn't want to go to Nineveh? Do you know what Nineveh, I think, was the capital of? I know it was the capital of. Assyria. Horrible people. Brutal. Cruel. Jonah was a prophet to Israel, and then he goes, Hey, Jonah, pack your bags. You're going to Assyria. Oh, no, I'm not. I hate those people. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, no, I'm not. And they have this little thing going on, and that's where the whole he goes west and the fish and all that stuff. But you could almost see Jonah having, being nationalistic. Well, I'm here in Israel and I want them to change and I want them to get right. And God's like, that's great, you can do that, but you also have to preach to their enemies. You know, that's the way God is. He, he wants everybody to be saved. He loves the whole world. That's why he sent his son. There is no one outside of God's love. And people do that. They come to me, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter and I don't need to know. Please, this isn't confession time. But God loves you and Christ died for those sins. You know, so I listen, after a tough message like this, I got to put some good news in here, you know what I'm saying? But it's really good news. And all the prophets said the same thing. Just turn, just stop. Self, you know, God, he's, he's there. He's, he's there to give you love and mercy and grace, but you, you have to stop this. So I thought it was funny that you read, and is that the same Jonah? Yeah, it's the same Jonah. So a few things as we close. What is this about? It's not just about wars and battles. It's about... Unfortunately, the king of Judah, Amaziah, his pride, his foolishness, his impulsivity, his lack of prayer, um, and that, that hurt him and it hurt the people that he ruled over. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Some people say pride goes before the fall. No, no, no. It says pride goes before destruction. It's even more powerful because when we get lifted up, and I've been, we've all been prideful, I've been prideful, 
you're deceived. You don't see yourself. You don't see yourself in the mirror. You just think that you're always right and you're going in the right direction. And before you know it, it, it can destroy you if you don't change. Um, and this was a big fall for Judah. This was such a big fall, I would put it on the same scale as Humpty Dumpty. Okay? All right, I just want to see if everybody was awake. <laughs> but Amaziah was a picture of a carnal believer. He had one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. And I can tell you, that never works out well. James 1 says that type of person is unstable in all of their ways. Does God give warning after warning after warning? You bet he does. From Genesis all the way to Revelation. You know, he, he courts us with his love. He warns us. Um, and he tries to show us the right way. But it's up to us in our free will if we're going to take it or not. And again, if nothing else, this is a great life lesson for what? For what not to do. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.